Welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on Justin Selman, who is a skill development, much more than a skill development, but a coach out in the New Jersey area, working with a ton of youth hockey players over there. Uh, he has an awesome career. He grew up in New Jersey, played his college hockey at the University of Michigan before signing a contract with the St. Louis Blues and playing a couple years of professional hockey. And like we said, now he is out in New Jersey doing his coaching thing. And this was an unbelievable conversation that I think so many kids that listen to it are going to get a lot out of. But before we do get Justin on here, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Lavecchio, Jeffrey. Vex, what's up today? Lavecchio, comma, Jeffrey. Hello, uh, Scott, comma, Christopher. Good to <laughs> see you. Uh, I'm having a great day. It's sunny here. It snowed here yesterday, but today it's like 55. Just weird St. Louis weather things. Uh, but pretty, pretty exciting little bit here. Past week or so since I was on the podcast recently. Um, one of my guys, Logan Brown, who we talked about, he got traded to the Blues at the beginning of the season. He got called up because he was tearing up the AHL, absolutely lighting it on fire. And his first home game was in St. Louis a few nights, like a week ago now. And it was so exciting watching him. He absolutely killed it. He scored a massive goal, which wound up turning the game around for the boys. And they won the game in overtime. And then two games later, he scores uh, in a shootout. Like he's doing really well. It's just so cool to see somebody who I, I've, you know, been there with and watched him put in all the work and watched him sacrifice and um, do everything that's asked of him to, to, you know, be excelling in the NHL. So that that's been an exciting week, you know, uh, kind of, kind of having that happen with Logie. Proud Papa moment, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And his dad was at the first game. They didn't stop showing him on, on the jumbotron. It was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Pretty exciting. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, it's so cool to see people just like accomplish their dreams, you know, especially when you see how much work goes into it because accomplishing your dreams is <laughs> it's hell trying to get there for 99.9% of the people. And so, yeah, especially when you feel like you're a part of it, you you know, you wake up with the kid at six o'clock every morning or whatever it is like very, very cool. It's, it's like, it's an indescribable feeling. And I think that it's trying not to get emotional, but like for me where I was right there and like, you know, everybody said, Oh, I didn't make it because of this. But like, I literally had to completely change the way I played hockey after my bad concussion. Cause it was already like my, I don't know, I'd have to like think about it, but it was already like my sixth or seventh probably concussion, I think. And like second and in, in, within like a couple months, which is probably why it was so bad. But like, I was right there. I still gave myself a shot, but like, I never got to play a regular season game. I got to play all the preseason games and did well and called up for playoffs. But so for me to be even a tiny tiny minuscule part in, in helping a guy achieve playing in the NHL or staying in the NHL or like Chris Weidman getting back to the NHL after a year, two years out of it. Um, it's, it's a massive, massive source of pride for myself. And I take it very seriously. Um, so when I see these guys succeeding and excelling and, and, and doing well, like 
you know, I cry almost every time because like, I wasn't able to, to do it because of things that I felt like kind of were out of my control. So for me to be able to control things to help guys reach those goals, reach those heights, reach those dreams, it is, it is like extremely rewarding for myself. Um, so, it, you know, it is really cool. And then Joseph Wall too, like he had the shutout. Uh, he won his first game, his second game, he had a shutout. Like he's doing really well with the Leafs too and Freddie with the Bruins. So it's been really cool watching all the boys succeed. Jeff Lovechkio, raising St. Louis hockey. <laughs> no, but just They're on know. the map, baby. No, just being a part of it, man. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Uh, so transitioning, you know, well, a lot of the stuff that you were just talking about, why these kids made it. I mean, we really dove into that on this podcast, huh? Like massively. Yeah. This is a really good one. I mean, Justin's got an unbelievable mindset. Um, loved hearing about his journey and, and you know, coaching the kids now in, in his uh, company. And just really, really cool to like hear just so many things that we all believe in. Yeah. Um, and we see in a different part of the country. So that was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Uh, this is just, uh, I, I, I kind of want to just like get over to it because it, it was, I, and it's funny, like, it's so cool. And we say this so much, like till we're blue in the face, you know, I feel like so many of our podcasts, we talk about very similar things just from different people and different perspectives. But I think that's part of the beauty of it. It's because if you want to achieve something or whether like it's making it to a certain level or you want to be great at whatever you do, like it, it's a simple, but not easy recipe. Obviously you have to be talented at what you do, but then there are certain things that you have to do to be able to get there. And it's, it's laid out for you in a lot of the podcasts that we do, but it's just, are you willing to commit to do the things on a daily basis to improve yourself that little, little bit, that's going to be big gains if you continue to do it every single day. And it's such like a not sexy thing to talk about, but every single person that we bring on here that has achieved something in their, whether it's hockey career or their life, when we've interviewed people that aren't in hockey, it, 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 we always talk about the same things, but they're just different stories that go with it. And, and Justin, I mean, he talks about his days at the university of Michigan and being able to play with Dylan Larkin and, and Zach Wierenski and stuff talks about, you know, some of his experiences of going through the ups and downs and how important those ups and downs were. And um, it's just a really, really cool episode that I, I think will make a lot of kids think it'll make a lot of parents think, and will ultimately help to give you, a little bit of more of a blueprint of what it takes to make it at the next level and to get there. I mean, it's so true, simple, but not easy. Like people who, who maybe now they'll get it. They're like, wait, what? Simple, but not easy. Simple as in, if you do these things, these seemingly these same things, yeah. <laughs> sexy habits and details like literally everything in life comes down to habits and details and if you can form great habits and do the mundane over and over and over and it sounds like justin got his opportunity with larkin at the university of michigan which he said in, in a matter of speaking like you know really pumped his career up for him to turn pro was getting on that line with larkin and then loving playing with him so much they wanted to stay with him he got that opportunity from his habits and details clearly you could tell 
tell what type of person he is and his character. And then the way he played, he was going to go do the unsexy stuff to give it to Larkin to do the sexy stuff. And, and that takes, you know, a lot of willpower to constantly be the guy who's first in on the four check, get your body beat up to kick that puck out for Larkin to do something nasty, but that's how you make a career, you know, like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's almost not even that it's simple, but effing impossibly hard, <laughs> you know, simple, but not easy. Sounds easy, but it just right. uh, maybe you need to put some more emphasis on how hard it is to do those yeah. things every single day, you know? Um, all right. Well, good stuff. Well, let's get over to, uh, to Justin, but first let's talk about the people that support us because we would not be here without them. And uh, gel sticks our number one title sponsor uh, been with us every step of the way. Uh, unbelievable weighted training sticks. Uh, we're coming into breaks now, right? Coming into breaks. A lot of people are breaking for Christmas and the holidays and everything. So um, the kids that are going to get an edge now are the ones that are going to be doing things that are behind closed doors or at home in the basement or in the garage or whatever it may be uh, because teams are taking a couple weeks off of practice and everything. So uh, gel sticks is an unbelievable resource. It's a weighted training stick. Uh, if you're a hockey player, they also have lacrosse sticks and they have golf clubs as well, but weighted training stick that can help you improve your shot. NHL teams use them. College teams use them. Junior teams use them. Jeff uses them in the gym. Unbelievable stuff. So go to gelsticks.com, G E L S T X dot com to get your weighted training a and if you use the coupon code think tank with one word then you can get a discount next uh, i'd like to uh thank train heroic the unreal guys that created the app where i house all of my online training programs i actually just started a new company where i'm advising other strength coaches personal trainers skills coaches on the ice and off the ice how to use train heroic to reach more clients uh be more efficient more effective with your time and make some good money um all from you know your couch after you create the videos and stuff so if anybody's interested in that shoot me a dm on instagram it's just my name at jeff Lebecki. i also am putting up a patreon soon here had my first call with a uh, strength coach out on the east coast rodney and in, in uh and it was unbelievable. Two hours helped him, you know, learn about how to use train rock, how to leverage it, how to work with your, with his athletes. So if anybody's interested in doing that, shoot me a DM. And then I also just want to throw out that, you know, with Christmas coming around, I have deals with a ton of companies for products that I personally use and all my clients use. So I have deals with uh, the toe spacers. Um, the discount there is GMBM, literally all of my guys, I make them buy. These are super cheap. Uh, the toe spacer company actually has the best ones I've ever used. I've tried five different companies and, uh, because all my guys use them, they gave me a discount for everybody. The discount is GMBM. Um, if your foot works better, everything up the chain works better. If you're a mom and you wear a lot of high heels and you have that, that bunion and that weird bony toe thing, like literally get toe spacers on immediately. A bunch of the moms of my clients started buying thing. these yeah the old Don't want bony the bony toe toe thing. thing uh hico sticks the hand eye trainers that you guys see me on my instagram always using with my athletes uh again i have a deal with them super fun great for parties great for training um you can use them tons of different ways uh great for coordination again my discount with them is gmbm as well and then uh if you're looking for bands to work out at home vector fps.com vector fps.com 
uh, discount code, obviously, GMBM. That'll save you money on bands. These are all the bands I use in my gym. And then the last one is Iron Neck. Um, ironneck.com. I have a discount code with them as well, GMBM. This is a thing that if you watch Joe Rogan, he's constantly talking about it. I truly believe that if this would have been around when I was growing up, I would not have suffered as many concussions. This is the best neck strengthening tool you will ever see. Um, very important if you're somebody who's always on your phone or you're always on a computer and you have that cell phone posture, this is a tool that can help your shoulders, your posture, and your neck get to where it's supposed to be. So very important for athletes in, um, in um, sports where there's hitting and then also for, you know, all of us idiots on our cell phones all the time now too. So hopefully one of those can help you out with some Christmas gifts for your uh, athletes. Have you ever seen Despicable Me? Uh, the first one, yeah. I am Vector. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, that. I thought you were going to say like, you got a guy for everything. Cause that's what all the <laughs> boys always tell me. Hey Vex, you got a guy for this. And I'm like, you know what? I do actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Um, last but not least, uh, want to thank icehockeysystems.com. These guys are amazing. Uh, they come up with so many different tools for, for coaches and, and players to get better. And uh, we've partnered with them to do a association platform. So uh, you can go to icehockeysystems.com and look for the associations tab and you get so many unbelievable things on there. There's so many drills. Uh, there's whiteboard explanations on different systems and tactics. Uh, it has the, it houses the hockey think tank parent survival guide. So you can give that to every single parent within your organization with your, which if you're a hockey director is going to make your life a whole lot easier. And uh, they're, they're just coming out with so much new content and so many new and innovative ways to, to make us all better. We use it a ton here with our organization and I use it a ton uh, just me personally to, to try and keep, uh, keep up and, and make sure that I'm getting better as a coach too. So uh, go to icehockeysystems.com. Uh, they are a fantastic resource. And thank you, thank you, thank you to Oliver Butta that listens to the podcast. We so appreciate all of your support. Um, if you can, please shoot us a rating or review wherever you get your podcast today. It goes a long way uh, to getting some more ears to uh, to listen to us. And we feel like we're we're trying as best as we can and, and uh, trying to provide a, a great you know, perspective to, to the hockey world and, and trying to make the hockey world a better place day by day. And so the more people we can get to listen to us, uh, I think the, the better reach we can have, I think hopefully the hockey world can become a little bit more of a better place. So um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of your help and support and uh, wish you a great, great week. You guys are going to absolutely love this podcast. We get deep on a bunch of different stuff that can help you be great at what you want to be. And so without further ado, here we go with Justin Selman. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. He's in the dirty jersey, New Jersey, Justin Selman. Justin, how are we doing today? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. I didn't know Jeff was going to be on here, so I'm even more excited. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And and I can't say dirty jersey. My wife is a New Jersey. Uh, she's fr- she hails from there, so um, everybody hey, we'll likes take to it. take their shots. That's we'll one of the things. It. It was actually pretty funny. So playing at Cornell, Princeton, you know, we play them once a year at home and our fans are awesome. And <laughs> their, uh, their chant when Princeton comes into town is Princeton's in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. 
So it's good stuff. So let's, let's dive into that because I want to introduce you to, to all of our listeners here. And, you know, Justin, you've had such a, such an awesome and unique uh, career that I'm really excited to dive into. And a lot of your career, you know, mirrors kind of a lot of what Jeff and I talk about, which is, uh, which is great. And I think is going to be awesome for any kid, you know, that's going to be listening to this. Uh, but you grew up in New Jersey. Um, so how did you fall in love with the game? I would imagine the devils or the Rangers, you know, what was it that, uh, that helped you get into it? Yeah, my my falling in love with the game store is kind of unique. My dad um, is, is in the car business. So at a young age, he was doing car deals, uh, promotional and selling to Devils, Rangers, Islanders guys. So at a very young age, I was going to Devils games. He became very close with Bill Guerin at the time. And he would leave us tickets. We would go down to the glass. Maybe I was three or four years old. You know, they'd throw the pucks over to us. And my dad played like men's league, never at any level besides that. So he taught me how to skate and whatnot, but going to the devil's games with him, meeting those guys, getting to go in the locker room and just being around that culture at such a young age, I just fell fully in love with it. Really didn't play any other sport, a little bit of lacrosse, but it was mostly hockey, hockey, hockey from a young age. And it got pretty serious, pretty quick, uh, going that path. That's cool. I I wonder, it's so funny. You talk about being around like pros and being in the locker room and everything, you know, Vex, you and I talk about the intangibles all the time, you know, like what it means to be a part of a team and, and all those like little things that are so important to quote unquote, making it, whatever that means to you. Like Justin, do you think being around that kind of, and then maybe it's as simple as it helped you fall in love with the game because you got to meet your heroes and you got to go in the locker room and stuff. But like, what was that experience like for you looking back now? You know, it's, it's funny. I think now, now that you asked me looking back, like I realized what it meant, I guess not when I was six or seven, but as I got older, 11, 12, and still doing those things, seeing what it meant to be a pro preparing, even, you know, they would come out of the locker room, whether they won or lost suit on, like ready to have a conversation with the next guy, you know, they were able to shake off a loss. Like I was always blown away by, and I was, I would always say to my dad, like, should we go down today? You know, they just lost. And you know, we would still go down and they'd put a smile on, they would be able to kind of wipe the slate clean and move on to the next game. So that was something I always kind of admired. And then just the overall preparation, I would see these guys putting in, like I would come down after a game and not understand why guys are on a bike or or working out or foam rolling, maybe not foam rolling then, but doing different modalities after a game when they already had played and they're sweating, done, the game's over, everybody left. And, you know, it's like, the next day starts, they're already preparing for the next game, the next practice. So I saw a lot of things at a young age like that, that I do think stuck with me as I got older. I think that's so important for younger players who really have a goal to make it to the next level and make it to the next level. And like we say, success is a relative term, whatever that means, that you can do so many little things that will instantly make you better today and better tomorrow by watching what pros do, by watching what college hockey players do, watching the, you know, the junior hockey players who are really dedicated. And it doesn't mean you do the exact same thing as them, but you can do a regressed version, like getting a spin in on the bike after a game or foam rolling or getting a massage or stretching or working on mobility. There's like so many things away from the rink or away from like actually playing the game of hockey that you can do off the ice that help you with your consistency on the ice. And I feel like when we were younger, you know, all of us probably, well, you, you were obviously lucky. You got to see those things. Like where I'm from, I didn't see that at all. Like I I had to wait to get to juniors to learn like, Oh shit. Like I got to start really like doing all these little things to make me feel good, to be consistent 
and practice in games, give myself an opportunity to get into the lineup, you know, and it's just, I, I wish more people talked about how important that stuff is for the guys who really want it. A hundred percent. I think, you know, there's all these tools and, and toys out now with the Normatex and the, the foam rollers that buzz and you can go all the way at the end of the spectrum. Like we were talking before this call with the 1080 machines and, and all that. But at the end of the day, you find what works for you and you just, have a practice and you build out that practice after your game, because, you know, I mean, you guys obviously know hockey's 365 almost 24 seven now. And if, if you wait till Tuesday, cause you had a game on Sunday to get back at it, that's almost 48 hours there where you're just missing ground that you can gain. And it doesn't have to be intense, but it could be something that just progresses you instead of regress or you kind of stay where you're at. Oh, he just went progression regression on you, Vex. That's he's only favorite. five minutes in, and he's <laughs> using the words I love. But, but like that—that—that that, that is such an important point you made. And I probably didn't even start doing this in my own pro career until maybe like I don't even know, maybe like my third year pro, where like I used to be like, all right, on off days, like one day a week, sometimes two in pro, you'll have a day where you don't got to go to the rink. And like there were days where like when I was younger, where I wouldn't do anything thinking, Oh, this is recovery until I started like really learning. Like, no, no, actually just sitting on the couch or laying in bed, sleeping all day. That is the opposite of recovery. It's actually hindering your recovery. Like there's so many little things that are free that cost nothing that you can do like going for a walk, meditating, stretching, foam rolling, like, you know, going for a little bike ride, like little things that on your days off will make you better. And if you're feeling great, you could even get a very light workout in if you're doing it in a smart way. But just for anybody who's listening here, like, you know, a recovery day, an off day doesn't mean do nothing. Like you want to help your body recover. Do nothing. No, you have to do more than that. <laughs> no, wait, no, uh, we're moving. Not, you're not doing anything. Sarah Marshall. <laughs> there you go. It's, no, it's interesting. Movie. So like talking about this, it's, it's fresh of mind for me right now, because one thing that I've done with my players is I've said, we, we've set two goals. So give me something, two things that you can do. It can take five minutes. It can take 10 minutes, whatever it is. Give me two things that you can do every day. That's going to help you be better. And each of them has a different one. There are, there's a few that did meditating Vex. Uh, you know, some did stick handling, some did, you know, push up. I mean, there was just a bunch of different things based on what they wanted to do. And so just last week, um, I, I kind of brought it up and they, I, I put it all in an Excel spreadsheet and I printed it out for them. I said, put this on your nightstand or tape it up in your locker, because I'm a big believer that if you want to get good at something, you have to write it down and you have to check it off. There has to be that physical reminder of that check off and you'll be much more apt to do it. Right. And so I, uh, a couple, what was it last week? I, in the locker room, you know, cause our team as many others struggles a little bit with consistency, you'll play really good for a period, then maybe take the foot off the gas. And um, same with individuals, like, you know, one game up, one game down and everybody deals with it. I talked to two division one coaches today and they said their teams were struggling with it. So it's, but that's why it's so important to do those things. And so I asked them, I say, okay, um, consistency is something that we're trying to figure out here. How many guys have been doing their sheets every single day? and three guys raise their hand, right? Out of 20. And it's like, this is why it's really hard to be great guys. And we talk about how to be great. You have to get that little bit, tiny bit, every single day better, whether, you know, the cliche is the 1% better every day, but it, it 
as easy as it sounds to, to talk about it and to say it and to hear it. And it's as easy as it is to do something every day for 10 minutes. Like it's so hard. And there are so few people that are dedicated to, to be able to do that. Right. But like for all the kids that are listening, that's what greatness is. It's making little mundane things every day, sexy and, and maybe not even sexy, but doing it anyway, you know, <laughs> doing, doing it anyway and not caring who's, who's going to say something to you, because I will say, and you know, shame on me. There was always guys in the locker room who, for whatever reason, whether it was jealousy, they didn't understand lazy. They would see guys doing things that are either extra effort or like you just touched on, you know, writing in your goals on a sheet or getting a workout in after practice. And then you become labeled the try hard or you become labeled, you know, the coach's pet just because you're doing what's asked of you or doing what you know can take you to the next level. But for guys who are listening, put that to the side because those are the guys who are going to be watching you come college, come pro. And they're going to say, I wish I would have done that. I wish I could have done a little bit more. But at the time, you know, they're peer pressuring you into, hey, let's, you know, let's get out of here. We've been at the rink all day. Hey, let's go get lunch. You've already skated. Why do you need a bike now? Why do you need to work out now? Like, those are the little things that build up over time. And, you know, I was talking to you before the, we got on here about Andrew Kopp. And he is one guy that at Michigan, you know, as a freshman, we were in the same class. Not a lot of us really knew. I mean, he was coming from the national team, but there was talks. He was going to play football at Michigan. He was kind of a, uh, a lower end guy on the depth chart, if you would, coming in with the guys who were coming in uh, with us. And immediately, the one thing I noticed about him was his work ethic and his demeanor and his, for lack of a better term, just not giving a shit who was watching or who said what they had to say about him. You know, guys were going out, he was staying in. Guys were first ones to leave the rink, he was there getting everything he needed to and more, always doing video, always doing these things. And from his freshman to sophomore year, he became the youngest captain in Michigan history. And then he was the, a, a C as his junior. And, you know, obviously he's having an unbelievable NHL career. And of all those guys on that roster, if you asked before they came in, who would have that career? It wouldn't be him, but he put the work in day after day after day, no matter who said what, no matter who broke his balls about it, he was always doing it. And that, it, it pays off. I would even say to like, take it up a notch even further because, you know, how, how old are you, Justin? Me? Yeah. 28. 28. 28. So Tof and I are a little bit older than you. Tof's way older than me. He's old <laughs> balls. All right. He's a month older than me. A month and um, three days. <laughs> <laughs> he has got old, loose skin and gross. just gross. His five-year plan is don't die. Um, but anyways, um, you know, Tof and I were both, you know, that guy that, you know, until people knew us on a new team, they'd probably say we were the try hard, whatever, you know, like, but they don't give a shit. And so it's been going on forever. There are people before us who got called that too. I would even say if there's any players listening to this, flip that script. When somebody comes at you with that shit, be like, be like, why don't you join me today? Why don't you join me today? I'm trying to get as good as I can. Why don't you join me and just see what happens. I bet you can reverse it and peer pressure them to make them better, you know, give them the guilt trip. Oh yeah. You want to get better? You want to get to the show? Let's go 10 minutes. Let's go. Come on, come with me. Join me. I guarantee you start to get some guys on your side. And then all of a sudden now the culture in the gym, in the room, on the team, what the organization, if you get more and more guys on that same page, everything's going to flip. 
everything will flip. And for the young players or the young coaches listening, when you nurture that type of grow, growth mindset and environment, your team is going to play better. Like there's no doubt about it. All right. So try to get, try, try to foster that, that mindset of, no, it's cool to do a little bit extra. It's cool to be smart about how you take care of your body. Like you only get one life YOLO. You only get one career and it's short. You yeah. really want to make something of it. Like do more, give more, be more. Be more. <laughs> See what I did there. We had a saying, you know, coaching at an Ivy League school. Um, it, it was the first time where like everybody cared about school on a team, you know, like it was it was cool to be smart, basically. Cause you know, we've been in junior locker rooms and stuff, and especially if you're in high school, maybe you got to do some work on the bus or whatever, or you get crap from from everybody else. Yeah, you know, all that kind of thing. It's the first time that like guys felt like it was okay to be driven in school. And it's like, almost like a weight off your back. And, and granted, not every single kid that I coached there was driven, was driven in school, but like for the most part, and it, it is like, if you can foster in an environment where like, it's okay to, to do the extras. And, and a lot of that comes from the coach. And a lot of that comes from like the leadership that you have in the room and making sure that if you see that you got to squash it right away, because if you have that kind of mentality, and, and I don't know if you guys have played for teams that have had that mentality. I've been on, I, I can remember one team specifically where there was Johnny tryhardness in there and the older guys and the, um, you know, the, the, the captains were kind of like too cool for school. And if you went out and did that stuff, then that team lost. <laughs> we weren't very good yeah. in juniors. And then when you find yourself a part of a group where it's cool to, to do the extras, you know, because everybody wants to fit in, everybody wants to feel like that's a basic human need is to feel like you belong to a group. It's why our country is so freaking crazy right now <laughs> because yeah. the psychology behind it, you know, everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to be a part of the tribe. Right. So if you can make that culture of your quote unquote tribe in that way, like you're going to set yourself up for a lot of success and your players will have a lot of success with that too. Absolutely. I agree. It's all how you approach it too. If you're that guy who's getting chirped, if you're in, in the, the locker room, because, you know, I've talked about it before, but like when I got to Western Michigan, I went to Western Michigan, even though I had scholarships to other, other universities um, and bigger names. Uh, Cause I knew that they weren't as good when I was at the time I was going in. And so I would play more. And my goal was to play a lot so that I could try and turn pro and leave early, even though again, no one else would have ever guessed that or thought that for me, but it, that was my goal. And so when I got there, like bag skates in September and, and August or whatever, freshman year, like I'm beating guys by like whole zones, like literally the entire zone. I'm beating everyone, every single bag skate in the beginning, guys were kind of like, what, the, what, what are you, what the F are you doing? Like, come on come on, like slow down. I was like, no, no, you speed up, like catch up to me. And it got to the point where I was able to get the team on my side and that culture of like kind of laziness and accepting, like, you know, being middle of the road, like we, we changed that culture and the team unanimously voted me the captain as a sophomore and the coaches, players and coach unanimously. So for any players out there, and I give this example, because if you're that guy, like stay the course, stay true to yourself, whatever your goals are, like, don't let anybody else step on them. F that like be you. And then like Toph has talked about multiple times on this podcast, um, Matt Molson, who played, I don't is he in the NHL? He's in the AHL now? Is he still he's playing? In the AHL now. He's in the AHL now. He's had an unbelievable career. 
but he was that guy who went out of his way to get Toph his first day on campus in Cornell and be like, Hey, come with me. We're going to do a workout. He was that guy. So bring others with you. You know, they're going to like flip that script on them, change the culture yourself, be the guy, be the light in the locker room that changes it. For sure. I, uh, go ahead, Justin. No, I, to, to your point, Matt Molson, one of those guys who, who I trained with at Prentice, and now that you're talking about that, it makes perfect sense because he was the always the 5 a.m., 6 a.m. workout slot. He was always there before everyone, and he was there after guys who were at the 9, 10 a.m., whether it was stretching, hanging around, he had his iPad out doing video, um, you know, stick handling. He was always doing those things, and again, one of those guys where he wouldn't slot to be a 10, 15-year career guy, but puts the work in day after day. And the people who got to where they are based on skill and luck and whatever else, the hard work always prevails. And, you know, I'm a big believer in that. So, you know, it's good to hear uh, you guys touching on that because that culture does seep in a lot. And uh, especially in today's day and age with all the, you know, social media and guys are so quick to chirp people online. And, you know, you put up a video of yourself training or doing something to get better and it's all, oh, yeah, you know, Gordy, go hard or try hard this. But, you know, to get that culture around you and, and like you said, challenge others to want to win the end of the day, you're trying to succeed. So why would you do something mediocre or half-assed just to get through it when, you know, you, you build this, build this uh, culture around you, whether it's just you, someone will come, then it's two, then it's three, then it's four. And then half the team is on your page. And now those guys become the outliers. For sure. And, and for those, like, I'm sure people listening to this, listen to spit and chicklets, Moles was just on there. You know, most, we talk about him having this career, like Moles was cut from his junior team kids at 18 years old you know, so, and, and went on to do that. And that's what we're talking about is why. And as we're talking about this, it's really interesting because I'm remembering a story from when I was in college. So Vex, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this, but uh, so one of the things that we did, it was kind of team building, but also conditioning uh, was um, there was, we did a seven mile run. So my freshman year, we did a seven mile run and you did it with two other guys on the team. Right. And it was a competition and you were all like your time was the last guy of the three people. So you, it was like the, the theme of it was run together and make sure the last guy, you know, you kind of bring him up or whatever like that. And I was a pretty good long distance runner. Um, and so I remember like, as we were kind of going through it, like I was the one and I was a freshman too, but I was like, Hey, let's go, like, keep going, keep going, keep going. And they were trying to keep up. It was a senior and a junior that were with me at the time. Right. And, and the, like the weirdest and funniest part about this, as I reflect about that day, because it made an effect on me is, you know, one of the guys who was running with me was like the one that was really kind of lagging behind that we really had to kind of keep up. And then once we got to within um, like seeing distance of the finish line and everybody was watching us come, he like sprinted. And so like, he was going to be the guy that was first. So, you know, he was behind the whole time we were kind of keeping him up and then hate him that love him. One of my favorite guys ever, but like, it was like, come on, man, like, what are you doing? And then the other guy, um, you know, I remember afterwards being like, holy shit, like he came up to me. He's like, holy shit, dude. Like, I can't believe like you're a freshman. You're like acting like this. Like that was, that was awesome. He's like, thank you for, you know, bringing that, like, you're going to be a huge part of this team. That was, that was awesome. Right. And so it's funny as I think back to those two guys right now, the one who sprinted was a high draft pick that really didn't, I don't even think he played in the NHL, but, and really didn't sniff a pro career. The senior was one of our captains who was not drafted and went on to play in the NHL and had a long career. 
right? So it just like everything that we're talking about, it almost comes full circle with that story of, you know, the way that those two guys kind of approached um, that run and, and how we as a group interacted in that run. And uh, I don't know, just a, like, I haven't thought about that story in years and it's just, and you can, you can only, you can only fake it for so long, you know? Yeah. Right. Like he turns that corner. Everybody thinks he's the most in shape, best endurance, whatever the test was, but you know, you guys come to see what he's really like in the room and, and, you know, as it goes on and on, you can't just put on when people are watching and obviously that caught up to him a bit. Yeah, it, that's it, you're so true. I mean, my dad, when I was younger, he every team I ever played for, he was usually an assistant coach on the team. And every year, Vex, you probably have one too. He would frame uh, a poem called "It's What You Do When Nobody's Looking," and he would give it to every single guy on the team. And I still have it framed. And I don't have a desk right now, but I guess when I have a desk or when I had a desk, it was always up there because it's so true. Like, and, and I've said it on the podcast before, give me the guy that does a hundred pushups before they go to bed when nobody can see him a hundred times out of a hundred than the one that just works hard when everybody's watching like every time. So true, man. I love the use, use the analogy of the, or, or the example of a hundred pushups before bed. What my f- first year um, being retired, I was coaching U18 AAA. I got suckered into it. I absolutely loved it. I miss it. But um, we had a goalie from the Czech Republic and great kid, pretty good goalie back then. I had a decently hard time scoring on him, even though I'd probably go like 95%. So like, I was like, oh, okay, he's pretty good. If I'm having, a, you know, you know, it's kind of okay. tough for me to okay, score. Okay, Johnny, Johnny try hard. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm taking clappers on breakaways <laughs> on him. I'm chirping him and selling every time I scored. I'd, I'd go full gear once a month just to show the boys I still had it because I just retired. But uh Anyways, I like a second half of the season that year, a lot of guys have school, unfortunately in St. Louis guys play a lot of guys played high school and triple A. So they were practicing two times a day, every day. So some of them would skip workouts for practice, whatever. And I told this kid, like, you, you've got something like, 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 come on, like, let's, let's start really focusing on things we can do to get better. And him and two other guys. So it was three guys for the second half of the year were the only three guys who came to every single workout. This kid started sending me videos of him stretching every night to hold himself accountable, just in his room, doing stretches, doing pushups, doing some planks, very simple stuff that we added to his nighttime routine. He is a freshman in college right now for Ohio state. Um, he's the starting goalie as a freshman and he's like literally leading that team to glory. This kid's disgusting. Got drafted by the Canadians. He is amazing. But like, he was like, okay, like I'm going to do more. I'm I, when nobody, I'm going to go home. Nobody's looking. I'm going to do pushups every night. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to do this. He'd take pictures of his meals and send them to me. Cause he was a terrible eater. Um, so like he ate freaking, um, what's that, what's that Chinese place? It's like fast food. Uh, Panda Express. This kid loves Panda Express. And I'm like, dude, we got to cut that. We got to stop. So he's taking pictures of his meals and we're going over them. Like, if you want to be good, you got to care about these things because it's only going to help you. And now look at him now. Rest of the team, you know, we had a couple guys have pretty good success, but he's drafted. He's starting goalie for the Ohio State University as a freshman. Oh, you can't talk I mean, about that with the Wolverine on here. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm pumped for this guy, but now I hope he gets, gets lit up. <laughs> no, no, it's yeah, good but you know, like no, it's, I hear you. It's like it's exactly like you said. It's not an accident. It is not an accident. 
That's true. Sure. And, you know, the th one of the things you said there, and Justin, I'd, I'd love to get your take on this too, is like he was playing 18U hockey. Like for everybody that poo-poos 18U hockey, please stop. I think it is the, the worst. It's probably the worst um, <clears throat> myth in USA hockey and, and Canada too, because U18 isn't really a big thing up there. But in terms of like the development of our players in the US, the fact that people poo-poo 18U hockey is like so bad for kids' development because everybody's in such a rush to go play junior hockey and very, very, very few people are ready to play junior hockey after 16 year, right? So, and we'll get into that oh, yeah. with you too, Justin, but do you have any thoughts on that? You know, you're yeah, I mean, I, I want to make a t-shirt that says, what's the rush and give it to all these parents. Honestly, <laughs> it, it, I mean, so, you know, a little background, we work with a lot of, a lot of younger players from, you know, young, young, like seven, eight, nine, but all the way through, we have a few college guys now, a couple guys with the national program, but the majority of our players are that 13, 14, 15. And in the last five or six years, New Jersey hockey has really taken a step. And a lot of guys are going out and playing in the USHL or the NA or the OHL, but that's a select few. And now all the other players who could have a very successful college career are in this huge rush to get to the USHL and leave home and, and, you know, put themselves in an uncomfortable situation, which is sometimes beneficial, but a lot of the times you go out there and you end up watching games from the stands, wondering what you're doing wrong, putting a ceiling on your game, becoming a grinder when you are a skill guy, but there's already a skill guy committed to North Dakota. Who's a you know 19 year old on that team. And, now you're coming in, you're playing fourth line minutes just to get in the lineup. Whereas 18 U hockey, 16 U hockey, there are amazing clubs out there who go to these showcases and they'll play in front of 20, 30 college scouts a weekend. And you're still in your high school for the most part that you're supposed to be at, you know, you're with your family, you're getting the cultural side of things that you might miss out on playing in the USHL at a young age. And there's still two, three, four years of development to be had after that, where you go out to the USHL and now you're physically a little bit more mature. You've had the workouts you're supposed to get in, you know, you're, you're dialed in, your confidence is where it needs to be. And then you go out there as a, maybe an overager or a, a potential 18 year old. And there's a totally different dynamic to your game than kind of being a timid little 16, 17 year old, who's just hoping to not get overlooked for the, uh, you know, the next home game. For sure. I love the way that you put that. It's, it's so true. And, uh, man, you should, we, you should do that t-shirt. I probably make a lot of money. <laughs> What's the rush? That should be everywhere. Yeah. It's really crazy. And now, I mean, one kid commits and now 30 people are wondering the same why, well, what about me? You know, I had more points than him or, you know, I was on his team two years ago and he barely played and, it's not you versus that guy. It's you versus you. And that's it. It It's everybody's development curve is so different. And even my, I wish that I knew that. And I wasn't in such a rush to get out of New Jersey. I went to Des Moines as a, I was turned 17 when I got there. I didn't even have my license yet. You know, there's guys on the team who are 21 years old. That's a totally different person than a 17 year old. It's like, you're worried about what your high school girlfriend might be doing. And this guy's driving to the rink. Uh, you know, taking his last semester of uh, online credit. So he goes into his college and basically he's graduated already. Right. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole spectrum of development that can be had. And when you're worried about where other people are versus what you're doing, like we keep talking about to get better every single day, you'll get there and the scouts will find you. And, you know, I have this conversation with a lot of my guys and a lot of their parents as well.
such an important conversation to have. And, and oh man, I just, I don't know where that all comes from. Like, I don't know the, the rush other than to the comparative culture that you talked about, Justin, is that where you think a lot of this comes from or just that it's really professionalized from a young age? Like it, it, that's one of the I, things about, lot. yeah. Like development, like I don't understand why it's so hard. I guess I do understand a little bit, but it's so hard to like do the right thing for development for some reason. Everybody knows what develops kids. It's multiple sports. <laughs> you know, it's it's little gains every day. It's not being professionalized so early, but the way that not just youth hockey, youth sports is nowadays, it counteracts everything that goes with what development should be for kids, you know? I, I agree. And, and you know, it sounds like cliche, I guess, but I truly believe you stop developing when you stop having fun. And you know, if you're dreading going to that skill session at 6 a.m., that's, you know, with the best skills coach in, in the area and it's a private lesson and your parents are all jacked up because they finally got you a session with him, but you don't want to be there and you'd rather be sleeping. It's not doing anybody any good. Um, I think the comparative culture comes from, you know, these quote unquote advisor agents and all these different showcases. And every weekend I had a kid who we were working with this summer. He played 65 games from April to, to July. Wait, so he from played April a, from, that's not during the actual season. No. So no, like his spring schedule. So he was like <laughs> at, a, at like a showcase every single weekend, like five, six games, five, six games, five, six games, an all-star game. Then he would go out to a camp and play the whole week, two skates a day, all-star game. I'm like, so <laughs> basically all the workouts that you're trying to get done are just flush them down the toilet because you're not ever going to recover. You're probably going to put yourself in a spot to get injured early in your real season because you're just not recovering at all. And, you know, you're going to be burnt out, right? Like multi-sport, I do agree with you, but it's so hard to convince these kids now unless they're at a prep school where they're forced to play another sport because that comparative culture or keeping up with the Joneses culture where, you know, oh, during your lacrosse season, Johnny's going to this you know, once in a lifetime invitational showcase camp in Minnesota where, you know, the Gophers head coach is going to be on the ice for 30 minutes. And he's probably going to recruit you from that. That's it, it, not how it works, but you know, a lot of parents don't understand the, the overarching hockey world. And they just think that if they miss that one camp or that one tournament that puts them in a really tough spot for their kid, which is not the case, they'll be seen if they deserve, you know, that recognition. As uh as, not only, you know, somebody played at University of Michigan, one of the best, uh, most coveted Division One places to play in the world, and obviously a former uh, professional hockey player. Do you find it's like some parents will ask your opinion or ask for help, and then they just completely disregard and do the absolute opposite of what you're saying? And it doesn't mean that, like, you're the end-all, be-all, or you know all, but I, I don't know. Like, I'll have parents that in this type of situation where little Johnny gets a scholarship or, you know, somebody did this, and so parents ask, well, will that be good for my kid? And, like, I don't have any horse i don't have any stakes in the game i'm just here to help you and i'm like no like focus on this this will work like do this do that and then they completely do the opposite thing and almost always it, it winds up hurting the kid or backfiring or whatever and i just i, I don't know do you guys find do you guys have that or do people uh, i for you know? sure i i definitely i have that and 
you know, it's like, I always kind of joke around after that happens to like, you know, the guys I work with and say like, would you go to the vet if your dog was sick and try and tell him how to treat your dog? If they, if they don't hear what they want to hear, they're going to do what they want to do. Right. And you can only give that, you can only like bring the horse to the water. You can't make them drink whatever you want to say, but you can't force feed it. But they ask your professional opinion. And my opinion now changed from when I was 17. And that's the advice I try and give is I'm giving you the advice I would give my 16 year old self or my 17 year old self. And, you know, looking back, I would have loved to develop for two more years, stay at home and, you know, get the training I knew I was getting work, you know, be a captain on my team, be the top guy, pay power play minutes so that I wasn't forced into a kind of fourth line penalty killing role at 17 years old and kind of ingraining those habits of don't turn the puck over on the blue line, get pucks deep when you should just be focusing on developing all areas of your game. We just become best friends because I think <laughs> we've been doing activities uh, in the bedroom and karate. Like that, you, <laughs> your career sounds identical to mine. I, I went from being like, you know, top dog, skill guy, burying pucks left and right to like literally not even being able to keep up my first year of juniors, not strong enough to be a fourth line player and hitting guys. And if I could give myself, go back, like, no, play one more year and do everything you can in midgets this last year, every single thing you can to get better, no matter what it is, work out five days a week, like, you know, get a skating coach, watch more video. You will do, you will get so much better and go into juniors now with confidence in a different uh, with abilities to play a different, more expanded role than kind of getting pigeonholed. And then, you know, the things that come with going to a level too early. I do think that there are players who it's okay for them to go when maybe they're not as ready if the situation makes sense, but it's very situational. You shouldn't just look at guys, you know, or parents see a friend's kid who's doing it. So you think your kid has to do it. Like, Everyone develops at different times, as we've talked about on this specific podcast already multiple times. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you work with a lot of young kids too, Jeff, and I'm sure you see it. One kid signs with the USHL team and 50 of his friends have that as their Instagram story the next day. So to Topher's point, I think a lot of that comes from the peer, peer encouragement or peer pressure, however you want to phrase it, where these kids are, yeah, I'm going to go out there just because, you know, people think it's cool. Um, and there's a lot more to it. And truth be told, there is something to be learned from being that young guy out there and, and getting scratched. Like I didn't even know what that meant, you know, and I scored my first USHL game and I was scratched the next night. And for a month wow. I couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, I'm like, well, what am I not supposed to score? Like what? <laughs> and then you start like asking questions to, you know, you can't figure it out, but you know, that does prepare you for the next level, whether that's college and you get scratched, the American, the East Coast League, NHL, wherever you end up, you're going to get scratched unless you're, yeah, I mean, everybody does at some point, right? So being able to deal with that type of adversity definitely is a benefit of maybe being a, too young. But besides that, yeah, I mean, you could stay home, develop, work out, train, and, you know, work with guys like Jeff, myself, whoever you're around who can develop you at full spectrum player versus just, yeah, I had the most points on my team. So I'm, I'm out of here. I'm ready for the next level. I, I have an interesting story for you guys. So I don't think he would mind if, if I told this, I won't say the player's name. I mean, people that are around me right now will know who it is obviously, but you know, we have, we have a kid on our team uh, who's a defenseman uh, that just committed to Colorado college uh, a couple weeks ago. 
And the interesting part of the story is he's a kid that did not get drafted in the USHL draft in the summer and did not get drafted in the OHL draft this summer. Um, whether he should or shouldn't have, I don't know. Like I wasn't here last year, so I don't know how he played or whatever, but like, I think it was one of those things where he probably should have got drafted COVID year. Everything's weird. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I, I've been thinking a lot about that because like, to be honest, like I, I love this kid. He's awesome. He works so hard. I don't know if he commits to a division one school a couple weeks ago, if he gets drafted, you know, and I'm not, he lets his foot up off the gas a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, and, and that's nothing like, obviously nothing against the kid. Like he works really, really hard. He's committed. Like he's doing all the little things, you know, he's, he's been really, really good, but getting that adversity and like I was around this summer, he worked his ass off all summer you know he was driven like he was pissed that he didn't get drafted like it was a burr up his at like you know and and so it's i've been thinking and whether he commits or he doesn't i you know i don't know if he gets drafted he gets but i just i've been thinking about that because like literally today is the the day that we're doing this is the whl draft and so we got a couple kids around our program that potentially could get drafted uh and actually they did get drafted um, but at, like all the kids are like glued to the freaking computer screen, you know? Yep. And, uh, it's, it's like a big thing, which is great. I mean, it's awesome to get drafted. It's great recognition. And, but like, it's not the end all be all. And, and honestly, like this, this kid that I coached, you know, he, he eventually would have been a division one player. There's no question. He works hard. He's really, really good. Colorado college got a, an awesome player and an awesome kid. I don't know if it happens right away if he doesn't, if he gets drafted though, do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah, again, I think you, you lose kid, that, like, you lose the carrot that you're chasing. Right. Like, and, and then it's on you as, as a coaching staff or as the player and as people around him to reestablish what's that next, you know, tick point or carrot that you're chasing. If you get to the USHL team and you get your commitment and you're only 17, then what are you chasing? If, if it's the NHL draft, great. But how do you subdivide that? So you're making progress each week, each month, and you're not just saying, I hope I don't get hurt before my freshman year. Another thing that goes with that too, is I think it's a very, very, very important skill to learn how to turn anything negative that happens to you into fuel to making you better, to making you smarter. Like every, like you said, every single person is going to have those hard times, whether it's a scratch or an injury or a coach that doesn't like you, like from no fault of your own or whatever, no chemistry with your line mates, but the coach keeps putting you with them. Like you're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through ups and downs and all of the players that lasted the longest or did the best at every level on every team that I was on growing up and in pro and in college are the guys who could use any bad game and turn that into like a trampoline to make their next day better, or just they learn from it and they immediately got better instead of sulking or what a lot of guys do point fingers or why me? Well, I was this. So why is that guy getting this when I'm doing this? Well, that literally gets you absolutely nowhere. Literally, gets you no closer to your goals by doing any of those things so anytime you know something happens where you should have made a team and you didn't or you get an injury or you have a bad game and you get scratched like use it as a learning experience and use it to fuel you it's so important because you're gonna have a lot of bad days throughout a long career so the better you can use those days to springboard you forward to another level like you immediately become a better person and a better player Hell yeah. 
Hell yeah. Um, well, Justin, like this is all really interesting, awesome conversation for sure. And we've all been through a lot of that different stuff, you know, in, in our careers, um, you know, for you, just like looking at your stat line and we talked a little bit about this before we, we got on here and press record, you know, you kind of got into the teams that you were getting into, whether it was the USHL or whether it was college and didn't produce from a number standpoint right away. And then you did like, you figured it out kind of along the way, became a, an assistant captain at Michigan point point per game person. When you only played 19 games, I'm assuming you got hurt and, and had three points in your sophomore year. Um, like, what was it like kind of maybe not having that success early when you got to these new situations and then what were some of the things that you did to kind of crawl yourself out of there and, and figure out how to be a, you know, a top producer for the teams that you were on? Um, yeah. I mean, I think one thing I really always tried to do was find somebody on the team that I wanted to play. Like, what are they doing? What, what kind of game were they playing? How did they prepare all those things? I always tried to emulate. So when I got to uh, the USHL, it was, you know, who's the, who is the captain on the team? What was he doing? I try and always attach. I always try to attach myself to the leader of the team um, to pick up both his leadership qualities, but also what got him to that point. Why is he leading the team in points? Why is he maybe on the power play killing penalties? Why does coach trust this guy to take a face off? Um, is it because he's, you know, sp- spending time after practice doing video? Is it because, you know, his training emulates something different than most of the other guys is doing more. That was always something. And then, you know, for me, like going into Michigan, I had no idea the caliber of players that I was going to be practicing with. And, you know, it could, it could have gone two ways for me. It could have been, well, you know, I'm on the fourth line as a freshman playing minimal minutes, my sophomore year here in and out of the lineup, throw my hands up. And I will be honest, there was a point where I was like, All right, I should maybe start looking at internships and jobs and, and kind of planning my future outside of hockey. But um, you know, what I really, I, I leaned on was, you know, what, what can I do as a player to show these coaches, they can trust me. And then once you earn their trust, you can take that next step and they give you a little bit more leash. So for me, it was always face-offs like from a young age, I knew that if I could be trusted to win a draw D zone, offensive zone, Hey, maybe he'll throw me out on the power play. And if I win that draw, Hey, I could pick up an assist on the power play. And next time I'll start on the power play. Uh, PK, the same thing. And, you know, as my sophomore year progressed, I would work after practice with the coaching staff and take face-offs and do a ton of video and ask questions. And, um, you know, when those situations arose, it was on me to rise to that occasion. But, you know, thankfully I did and earned a little bit of trust. And that goes from fourth line to third line. And maybe you're lagging on the second line shift. So there's some two really high skill forwards out there with you and you start to pick up offensive opportunities that you wouldn't necessarily when you're chip and chase as a fourth line guy. Um, but it's like a momentum thing. And I think that a lot of guys don't realize you're a top six forward on one team. You're normally, you're going to start at the next level as a bottom six. So if you can have that part of your game where a coach can trust you, you know, your teammates can trust you, you're reliable, you're physical, you're an energy guy. Like that was something for me that kept me engaged in a lot of those games was having energy on the bench. And it, some people think it's cheesy. I think it's great. I think, you know, being a, a rah-rah guy on the bench, big building up guys or, you know, guy has a bad shift comes off, you, you know, Hey, don't worry about it. You're out there. Next one. Those type of things are the intangibles that for me, 
you know, you might not see it on a score sheet, but when t- come, comes time to be voting for captains, you know, those are the things people think about, Hey, who's, who's a guy I want to be around. Who's a guy that loves to be around the team um, versus, oh man, coach hates me. I'm on the fourth line again. You know, let's, let's, you know, let's bitch about coach together. Like it doesn't help. That doesn't do anything. And there were times I caught myself early on doing that. And then you have to snap out of it and see the bigger picture and understand hockey. There's a ton of things that can happen. Injuries happen. Guys leave guys get, I mean, at pro level guys are traded in and out of there. Now in college guys transfer all the time. So it's just, you know, building your reputation, building, building that trust and accountability with the staff and always trying to improve. And then like I was going back to Michigan, you're on the ice with first round draft picks every day in practice. What better way to improve than to practice against those guys and, and start to compare yourself and see where you're lagging and what you can work on. I love that. That's unreal. Those practices must've been fun, huh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) like, you don't, uh, Kyle Connor was a freshman, uh, my senior year. And like, you know, there was a ton of hype around him and his first day on the ice, he's just dancing through guys, every shot, elbow in bar down, bar down. And you, like you were saying, Billy powers mentioned Pacioretty. Like for me, it was him and Dylan Larkin and Wierenski really, where I was just like, wow, these guys, no matter what are going to have a stellar NHL career. That's interesting. So you just seen them in practice and like how they worked, you were like, yep those guys for sure how how they practice like you know every so often guys bobble a backhand pass or every so often guys you know you know turn the puck they were just i don't want to say 10 out of 10 but nine out of 10 times you knew the right play was going to happen and you could then start to position yourself in places you know not to cheat the game but almost understanding that they were going to do the right thing so playing off of them just became extremely easy and um, you know, my career really turned around when I started playing with Larkin and Hyman my junior year. Um, I was in Wisconsin and Boone Nieves was on their line at the time. He got sick. So I got called from the third line up to their line, had a hat trick that game. Right. So talk about like waiting for your opportunity. Sick. Um, like, get, you know, pregame skate. I think Brian Wiseman's like, Hey, you know, you got, you're going to go with Larks and Hyman tonight. And I was like, okay, like ready to go. Okay. Okay. Uh, and you know, go out there, have a hat trick. And then from that game on, I think it was in February from that game on, they told red, they're like, we want Selman on our line. And I worked my ass off every shift, got the, got to the puck first, won my battles. And I always make this joke, but like, I could have played righty with those guys. I'm a lefty. I could have played righty with those guys and, and still probably had a point of game because they played the game the right way. And, you know, working hard for them just resulted in, in success for me. So it was, it was a really fun time to be playing. Um, like watching those guys in practice, then being able to play with them night after night and just pick up on their tendencies was, was a great experience. That's so cool. And it's so interesting. We were having this conversation the other day. Um, like we were talking about how many guys that are really, really good hockey players that didn't have the center on the line above them get hurt and how many guys probably could have make it because as hard, like as hard as you work and, and the harder you work and the, the more that you do the things that you did, Justin, you're giving yourself that opportunity to have an opportunity, you know? And, and so we, we were talking about like how many guys, you know, didn't get that second part of that opportunity because like uh, Joe Corvo is a coach. He's a Western Michigan Bronco there, Vex. And he, he coaches, he's got a kid in our program. And so he was not supposed to make the world junior team one year 
And then the seventh defenseman got hurt or decided it couldn't come or whatever. So he was like the fill in and he ended up winning best defenseman at world juniors. And then he's gone on to have like this amazing NHL career, like 700 games or something like that. You know, Charlie McAvoy, that's another one that I I don't know if we've talked about it, but like he wasn't supposed to be on the national team development program. He wasn't supposed to be on the NTDP and their eighth defenseman decided he didn't want to come. And so he was the guy that got it. And obviously Charlie McAvoy, we all know who he is now. He's making what, like nine and a half million dollars a year <laughs> in, in Boston. And so I think the the important thing is like you, first of all, like you don't get that opportunity to play with Larkin and Hyman if you don't do all those little things and everything like basically which the theme of this entire podcast has been about um, you're just putting yourself in that position, but, but also you have to understand like there are things out of your control, you know, there are things out of your control. All you can control is your work ethic and your attitude and how much you're committed to doing the little things necessary every single day to get better. And then you're just giving yourself a chance. And then once you get that chance, like you did, you freaking capitalize on it. You know, it's just, you just have to always be ready for that chance. And, you know, coaches always say, and I'm sure you've said it as a coach, it's a numbers game and injuries happen. And when a kid comes in and asks you about his ice time, which I had done at the time, you know, many times was coach, you know, I, I think I'm ready. I'm doing all the right things. Like, can I do more video? Can I do more of this? It's a numbers thing. Like right now you're doing everything you can. You're practicing the right way. When you're getting your shifts, you're doing the right thing. It's just a numbers thing. It's just a numbers game, you know? Guys will get hurt, injuries happen. And at a young age, you know, it almost just goes in one ear and out the other. But now looking back, it, it, it is true. Like you get that opportunity and you fall on your face and flop with it. It's a perfect chance for a coach to say, I told you so, you weren't ready, right? And yeah. and that's that's why I, I tell all these guys, don't worry. Like we talked about at the beginning of this talk is, you know, don't worry about where other people are. Just worry about you. So when your time does come, you're ready to answer the bell. For sure. I love that. I love that. And, and it kind of dovetails into like what you're doing now. I mean, you're, you're working with youth hockey players, your company's top line hockey uh, based primarily out of like New Jersey, New York area. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you, cause you know, Vex and I both work in, in youth hockey primarily. Um, what do you think is the biggest thing that you've learned? Because I know it's a big learning curve and I've done it myself, but it's always funny you know, having done it for a couple of years now to watch, you know, guys that have played at, at high levels, get into youth hockey and been like, Oh, Whoa, this is, this is different. <laughs> it's, it's such a steep learning curve. So like, what do you think is like the biggest thing that you've learned um, being in youth hockey now and working with so many of these younger players? Um, I think there's two glaring things that I've learned. One is that the game has changed very quickly, even from the, you know, the five years, four years now that I've been out of the game, the skill is off the charts. Um, you know, these, the creativity, I mean, you saw Zegers's play last night. Like we work with a few kids, uh, Adams did Licky, like Brady Silverman, these kids pick the puck up on their stick, spin around, do, and as a coach, you know, I consider myself pretty skilled, but you know, I'm learning from these kids. How did you just pick the puck up like that? You know, I know how to do the, the quote unquote, the Michigan, these guys are doing it. So the skill level is one thing that's changed pretty, pretty rapidly, uh, whether that's because they're taking away some of the contact or, you know, guys are becoming faster and the game's changing um, that. And I just realized that in order to keep a kid's attention uh, at the younger age, competition is your golden ticket. Uh, if you can make something a competition, whether it's, you know, we're working on edges, but, two guys are going to start at the same time and it's going to be a race. Sounds stupid, but you know, 
you'll get an extra jump out of someone or, you know, implement testing so that the day one guys are pushing each other to get that third, fourth, fifth rep instead of giving up on two things like that. Um, you know, I I've really noticed as a player, I love to compete. Uh, I loved all the preseason testing we would do at Michigan, uh, getting on the turf, going in the stadium, you know, running sprints, going against each other. So whenever I can implement things like that and always tying in a reason to why, like now these young guys want to know why they don't want to just know this is what you're doing because a lot of the times they, they know how they just want to know why am I doing this so that if I'm going to put it into a game situation, you know, I understand conceptually versus just like, yeah, I know how to make this move. Why am I going to do it? When would I use it? So slowing things down for guys is something we really like to do. And, you know, fortunately for me, my, my entire staff that has played pro at some capacity and, and division one. So like demonstration for us is really important. Like we, we like to be active with the kids jumping into drills and showing them like, there's always another level, another gear you can get to. And it's not to be braggadocious or say like, Hey, try and keep up with me, try and take the puck off my stick. It's like, look, like you're the best guy on your team, but there's still this huge gap between where you could, where you are and where you could get to. But I will still dangle your ass, little Johnny. Yeah. Who's Don't yeah. get it twisted. Yeah. I will yeah. toast you. But yeah. but on a serious note, though, for any coaches listening, and obviously it's so funny how all all of the people that we have on this podcast that played Division One or above, literally every one of them. I don't know if we've done two hundred or so. I don't know podcasts now. We probably had how many guys who played Division One or above? 50, 75? I don't know all of them say like very, very similar things, like very similar things on how to be successful. And one that we've really been talking a lot on this podcast about a lot is like always establishing your why. And for coaches, it's so important for the coaches listening to constantly be telling the kids why they're doing something. Because if you just tell them, do this, they're going to do it, but there's going to be tons of kids or players at any level that do it half-assed or without full attention to every detail, which is going to translate to more success, more efficiency, more effectiveness. So if you're constantly saying, all right, we're going to do this right here. And here's why watch this video from the game. You know, if, if we would have done this, this is why it would have worked. Or I want you to fake the shot and then change change the angle as you're shooting well why because as you get older if you just shoot it and come in and shoot the goalie is going to come out he's going to stop every single shot that is why and then a light bulb goes off in their little tiny head and now they start doing it and doing and now they get success and now they want to listen to you more because you've told them why so they do focus on the details they get more out of it and it becomes a positive feedback loop versus a do this because I said so and give them no reasoning. And then maybe they do it. Maybe they don't. And they fall out of that positive feedback loop. Now they're in a negative feedback loop and they're not doing what you're saying. Cause they're not doing it correctly with all of the detail behind it that needs to be done. Now they don't trust you because what you're telling them isn't working. And it's literally because you just didn't take 10 seconds to explain. This is why we're doing this. Absolutely. Absolutely. X is uh, that's going to be on your tombstone what what is your why what's your why yeah that's it's up in your gym isn't it it's up in my gym hand painted baby <laughs> by you? not by me no not by <laughs> yeah me. <laughs> kid can't even color inside the lines anymore kid can't even read, <laughs> kid can't read. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well justin we've taken up a lot of your time here today this was this was awesome i think 
for any kid that listens to this episode, they're going to get so much good stuff out of it. And at the end of the day, like that's really what we want is we want to give people some tools to be able to be a little bit better at what they do. And uh, you know, your, your story and, and what you're doing right now to help. And uh, it, it just real quickly, where, where can people find you? You guys have a website, social media, all that kind of stuff. Cause uh, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of people who are going to look you up after hearing your mindset and how you go about doing things. This was awesome. Yeah. Um, you, Throw us a follow on Instagram, Top Line Hockey. Our website's tlhockey.com. We're in an exciting period here in New Jersey. We just, um, we were operating out of like a multi-sport facility with a glyce rink inside of like a bigger gym. And now, uh, you know, as of two weeks ago, we left there and we're in contract now to open up our own facility. So we'll have our our same glyce rink, a strength and conditioning area, a small recovery lounge um, and access to ice as well. So you know, looking forward to taking that next step and, you know, look out for different camps. We're going to be offering summer teams and stuff like that. But um, no, I, I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, tremendously, you know, I was pleasantly surprised to see Jeff on here. Uh, I was telling Toph before he hopped on, you know, we learn a lot from him. So his, his page is the go-to for the hockey uh, knowledge and the training knowledge and even the mindset stuff we use every day in our gym. So thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys both. Hey, um, Justin, did you know that Jeff has a blue check mark? Did you know he's verified? On <laughs> hey, Instagram? Justin's got a blue check mark too, Tope. You're the Do only you really? one left out right here, dog. Dude, let me tell you really quick. What? That, might, that might be more beneficial than any uh, showcase, any scholarship, any contract I ever signed. That's gotten me more dinner reservations, <laughs> more, more access in my life uh than than a lot of things you know just pull that instagram check mark up we got it when we were at blues camp i don't know one day i was there and i was like wow this is great i started dming people i started trying to make reservations and it worked oh bro i made i made a hoodie and sell it with a blue check mark on it after i got mine i was like this is great I love it. Trent, Trent Frederick, I was going to make a, uh, a hoodie for the boys two summers ago, the COVID year, and it was going to say hot guys doing hot guy things on the back. And they were like, oh, yeah. I thought it was hilarious. And they were like, I don't know. And Freddie's like, if, if you get that blue check mark, you got to put that on the hoodie. And I was like, all right, I'll hold you to that. So that I made one for him and everybody else wanted him. It is ridiculous. You're so right. It's too good. Yeah, it's too good. Now, now everybody's hunting for the blue check mark. So hold that thing tight. Uh, too funny. I got to get one of those. Yeah, you do. You guys are giving me crap. I got more followers than you. Yeah, hey, on Twitter. Twitter, Tope, not Instagram. That's bro. true. That's true. Tope, it's, a, it's, it's a numbers game and injury. <laughs> <happened here>. so. <laughs> I just got to wait. Coach, I just got to wait. Screw you. Coach screwed you. All right. We all know it. You would have been like 100 points in the show. <laughs> uh, I love it, man. Well, Justin, thanks so much for coming on. This was great. And uh, yeah, keep up the great work out there. I'm sure we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your week. All right. See ya.